Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. How exciting it is to be with you this morning. I'm, uh, I'm going to set the uh, stopwatch on my uh, phone. So right here in front of me, because time stops for me when I do this, but I've been told that that is not always the case for the people that are there. All right. I had such a great time this week with the Lord, uh, praying over what I'm hopefully share uh, with you today that reflects His heart. I have discovered over the years that God pays for what He orders, that when He gives you an assignment, that He will give you the resources and the gifting to get the assignment done, and uh, something special happens there. You see, God always hand-delivers His gifts, so when you move in your gifting, He meets you there. God meets you in your gifting, and so I hope to translate what uh, He and I uh, worked on this week uh, what a privilege it is to be the, to, a part of this series, to take the baton today uh, in the third installment of Unstoppable in our survey of the book of Acts. And today we're going to look at chapters 7 through 9, and of course the verse that launches the story in the book of Acts is when Jesus prophetically spoke over His church in the Gospel of Matthew, the message, Matthew 16, says this, He, Jesus, pressed them, saying, And how about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, You're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, lets you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm coming to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out because it will be unstoppable. Unstoppable. Now, when Pastor introduced this series a couple weeks back, we often meet in the little side room and pray for him before the service. And uh, when we did that on the first day of, of this series, Sherry, she said, you know, I just really have a sense, and I'm paraphrasing because I didn't write it down, but she said something to this effect. She goes, I just really have the sense that like a freight train, that, that, that God is, is, is just moving in such a way as to deliver uh, something that uh, is important, necessary, life-changing. Do you remember that, Pastor, when she said that? And I don't know if Sherry knew this or not, but in prophetic circles, a train often symbolizes the will of God because it doesn't deviate to the left or the right, doesn't fly off the tracks, doesn't go off the rails. And so uh, it was very interesting later in the week then when Sherry and I went to watch something on Netflix and Netflix on the main screen has that little place where they suggest a movie for you. You guys familiar with that? Number one in our suggestion that week. Now, when I saw that, I got them little Holy Ghost goosebumps back here. You know what I'm saying? And uh, 
And sure enough, there's the train in the bottom of that picture under Denzel. So how exciting to be on that team, the unstoppable team. Now, I have to give you some warning before we go any further this morning that there may be people in the United States of America right now that are uncomfortable with what I'm about to share. Because you see, I, I, I don't want to offend anybody, but I, just, I have to be who I am. And so uh, today I, I, might, I might make a reference to a firearm. I might talk about a 357 Magnum. Yeah. Developed by Smith & Wesson in Winchester. I might talk about that. I might, I, might, I might mention internal combustion automobiles, gas powered. I might talk about that briefly. I'll just make an allusion to it. I might talk about some beef, some red meat. Is that, can, I, can, I, can I talk about that today? Yeah, and I might, you know, I might even talk about religion today. And that little symbol there, that's actually uh, the, the icon, the, the logo of a, of a church group in the United Kingdom. And so I, uh, I'm going to talk about those things in our outline today because I'm going to give you a 357 outline today. I'm going to talk about three A's, five guys, in seven churches. Can I do that? Now, the reason I want to give you a 357 outline is because you need a weapon. Now, see, when I go in the backcountry, I actually carry a 357. I, I figure it's better than nothing against a bear. I figure there's, there's, certain, there's certain kind of snakes that it would be really handy against. You know what I'm saying? Certain kind. And also, I'm thinking if there's a roaring lion prowling about that wanted to devour me, it might come in handy. You see, if there's a roaring lion out there that wants to devour me or my grandbabies or my wife, I want a weapon. Yeah. Jesus said that, uh, get ready for trouble. Look to what you'll need there are difficult times ahead. Pawn your coat and get a sword. What was written in Scripture, he was lumped in with the criminals, gets its final meaning in me. Now, we don't too much carry swords anymore. Like, like the first rule of modern warfare is don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Is that not true? That's Chad, am I, am I, am I, yeah, am I speaking? All right, but there is a roaring lion out there. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You see, the devil wants to hurt you. He doesn't too much care about whether or not you suffer, but he wants to hurt God, and he knows God loves you desperately. And so if he can get to the God that loves you desperately by wounding you, then there's a certain amount of satisfaction that he gets from that, the great rebel, the serpent. So you need a weapon. And so our first point today, and my outline is kind of like those nesting Russian dolls. You know, the first one's pretty big. That's, that's where we'll do most of our work. The second one's a little smaller, fit inside it. The third point's tinier yet. And so that's what the outline's going to be like today. But in the first number one, we're going we're gonna to talk about three A's, acts, advancement, and adversity. Now, when I was playing around with outlining this, I... I, I knew that around here, servant leadership is our uh, identity, and uh, uh, because we're uh, talking about the letter A here in this first point, I, I, and we're doing a survey of the book of Acts, I was playing with, with words, and I said, you know, maybe I'll call this survey, 
little play old play on words. And then I knew Jesse's from Canada. I didn't want him left out, so I went, I went, sir, eh? Yeah, you know, I just, but then I decided not to do that. Um, the book is called The Acts of the Apostles, but I just don't like the title because there's so much more going on than just the apostles. It's really the act of Christians, and that's kind of the only AOC I really care about. And so the uh, book of Acts, I'm just saying, all right, the book of Acts is normal Christianity. It's the model. Now, the Gospels are the introduction to the model. The Old Testament is the foundation upon which the Gospels are layered. Now, if you don't get this right, you won't understand your story. If you don't get this part right, you won't understand what's happening. You, you don't get this right, you will not understand where to put the Gospels in the book of Acts. You'll begin to live in the epistles. Because you don't really understand how this amazing story in the book of uh, Acts and this amazing introduction in the Gospels about all these incredible things that are happening, you won't know how to apply that to your life, and so you, you, don't, you won't know what to do with it, and then you won't really know what to do with the book of Revelation because it's so symbolic and, and apocalyptic, and so the only place left for you will be the epistles. And so there you'll live, and then you'll start arguing about whether or not a woman has to wear a hat when she goes to church or whether a man can have a beard. I think Brandon posted last year this video of this church that was getting all sideways of talking about how men were not supposed to have facial hair. Are you kidding me? In a world as evil as what we live in, that is what you're going to spend time getting sideways about? Are you kidding me? And so I don't want to live in the epistles. Now, I'm going to learn for the epistles, but I'm going to live in the unstoppable book of Acts. Yeah. That's where I'm going to hang out. You see, if you, if you, if you, don't, if you think the, the Gospels are just this fantastic story uh, uh, about this God that came and walked on water, you will not understand that Jesus was fully God but also fully man. You will forget the fully man part, and you will begin to think of him like this God that has got like powers. And you'll think that the apostles were just these really cool people with superpowers that got to hang out with the cool God. And instead of the Gospels and the book of Acts being your manual on how to do life, they will become simply literature you read for entertainment. Yeah. You see, let me put it this way. It's not the pastor's job to come on Sunday morning and report to us the cool stuff he's done. It's his job to come equip us on Sunday morning so that we go out and do cool stuff. Anybody up for that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The old covenant was never designed to establish the kingdom. That's why Jesus came and we have the Gospels. That's why he prophesied over his church and then that was made manifest in the book of Acts. And in addition to that, that the old covenant was first of all never designed to be the end of God's revelation of himself, the Jewish people actually became fat with religion. Religious rules layer upon layer and it was in that religiosity that Jesus had some pretty harsh words to say to the folks that had substitute relationship for religion. They, they could have had relationship, but they substituted it for religion. And you can tell when your faith is becoming uh, religious uh, 
if you listen, because you'll hear vowel sounds. Here's what, here's what I mean. Do you remember in Hunger Games when the people in the Capitol were watching the spectacle? You remember the sounds they made? They made vowel sounds. They went, ah, eh, ee, oh, ooh. Didn't, didn't, didn't they do that? I mean, you go to the theater, people make those vowel sounds. You Cirque de Soleil, people are making those vowels. So you can tell when, you're, when your faith has become religious theater by you listen to those sounds. And so I'm going to give you a little outline on what to be skeptical of. Now, these things are not intrinsically bad, but you should inspect them. So I'm going to, give you a li- I'm going to use vowel sounds to give you an outline of things you should expect. In, inspect. You should, you should inspect if, if, if your faith suddenly has special attire. You know, I just, don't, I just don't trust anybody in a funny hat. You know what I'm saying? I just don't. I don't go. I just don't go there. If it's a turban or a miter hat, I, don't, I just, saffron robe, I mean, that's not, that's not my thing. Yeah, and it could even be, it can even be a three-piece suit, huh? Hmm? Hmm? And so if, if suddenly your faith demands spe- special attire, then, then, then you've got to inspect that. Now, I'm not saying it's always bad. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm thinking that these new, t- these new sweatshirts we have, the unstoppable ones, they rock. You know, I, I'm wanting me one of those. I wish I had a holiday or something. I'd get, get me one of those. Um, but, but all of a sudden, if somebody floats into the room wearing a saffron robe, I'm going to have to check it out. E. Special effects. Now, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, but the only, the only fog machine Jesus had was on the Sea of Galilee when the weather changed. You know what I'm saying? All right. Now, I'm not saying we've got one around here. We don't, we don't overuse it. But I've been to some churches. It was like an Aerosmith concert. You know what? Yeah. All right. All right. So you just have to inspect that. Why am I doing it that way? I cannot rely on the special effects and not have the specialness of his presence. Yeah. All right, so we have, to, we have to be careful with that. And then individuals, special individuals, the holy man. See, if there's a high priest in your religious system, you may have missed the point because in the kingdom we all get to play. Everybody gets to play. All of us have giftings, and all of us can meet God in those giftings. All of us can move into the world and make a difference. And so if we have somebody that's a special guy, I, I went by a Baptist church in uh, uh, South Carolina, and I read the sign, and the sign said... Pastor, Reverend, Doctor, Johnny, something or another. Now, he was special, Pastor, Reverend, Doctor, Johnny. And so you need to inspect that. If, we, if, the, if, a, if, if you come, if, I, if your faith, yeah, mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about, Jesse, don't you? All right. Uh, special observances, and this, this can be... Uh, uh, holidays or, or religious trinkets or toys or uh, necklaces, any, any kind of special observance where you can uh, just inspect it, check it out. Why are we not eating this on this day? Why, what, what's the meaning of that? It could be very meaningful, but, it, but you can't substitute simply che- checking the box with really walking closely with your God. And then why is sometimes a vow... Oh, wait, hang on, let me back up. Special utterances... Uh, have you noticed that in some churches, Jesus has four syllables? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. And, and, and I've noticed in my own walk that sometimes when I pray, like I overuse the word just. God, we just ask you to move on this person. They just need you, Lord. They, we just, I don't talk that way normally. Why do I do that? 
Have you, you know, and so we, we develop this Christian lingo sometimes, and, and sometimes it's like King James English, Lord, thou art holy, and if thy will be done. And what, we don't, I, don't, I don't usually use that kind of language. Why do I do that? We have to check it out. Why, why, why am I like that? Um, if you tell a lost person, if you ask them, are you washed in the blood? You freak, washed in blood? What are you talking about? <laughs> And finally, the why is sometimes a vow. We have to scrutinize why we always do it this way. See, God might have something fresh for you, and so we have to ask that question. And so the, our acts, the first A in our triple A outline here for the first point is, our acts are designed to be in relationship with our God so that we advance the kingdom. Not just religious activity, but acts that advance the kingdom. Matthew eleven twelve, Jesus said, and from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. How? Well, souls being saved, bodies being healed, minds being delivered from demonic oppression or mental illness, divine appointments, the dead being raised, churches being planted, culture being changed. All that is, that's, that's normal Christianity. That's what we do. Two pitfalls, and I would that it were not so, but I have fallen into both of these. I am so sorry that I, because I handled power, there were seasons in my life that I thought I was powerful. Didn't take the Lord long to straighten me out on that point. It seems to happen to younger men. God knows it happened to me, but have you ever met a younger man that thought he knew more about the kingdom than he actually did? Anybody? Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, but we're all susceptible to it. It certainly happened to me. And I didn't plan it that way. It's very insidious. It kind of just creeps up on you. But when you hand, handle power, it's kind of a rush, right? You kind of you kind of get splashed in that, and you can you can forget uh, the, the 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 horse and the cart can get cattywampus. Here's the antidote I've learned over the years. It's worship. Just stay, keep his grandeur in front of you and worship him and just know him, and that'll keep you soft. So that's how to avoid that pitfall. Another pitfall when you move in things of power is the pitfall of presumption, where you think because God did it this way before, that now he's going to do it this way this time, and you don't show up in the moment. And the antidote for this is for uh, you and I to always recognize that God is, is infinite, so no matter how much of God that I've apprehended, every time I'm in a power encounter, I'm at the beginning. I'm always at the beginning. And so I step into this new encounter where something's happening in the kingdom. A healing is taking place, a deliverance, a divine appointment, soul being saved. But I don't go on autopilot. I say, Daddy, here I am. Do what you want to do. Speak to me, Father. And I surf it out as opposed to trying to, to uh, power uh, with like a, a, the image in my mind right now is, is if you're on the waves, you ride the waves you get. But I've seen where they've tried to take those boats out in the heavy surf and they've got the big engine on the boat. Sometimes that doesn't go well because they're trying to overrule the wave and it's better to ride the wave, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Now, the third A in our little talk this morning in the normal Christian life not only has advancement, but it has adversity. 
You see, the devil fights back. Now, what I'd like you to understand here is that the reason Jesus left you a comforter comforter in the Holy Spirit is because he knew you would be uncomfortable. You see, God God, God not only meets you in your gifting, he meets you in your adversity, he meets you in your pain. He meets you to advance the kingdom, and he meets you when adversity stands in the way of that advancement. He wants to be with you. The whole point of the Christian life is to be with God. In the garden, that's what it was. He was with them. Three pitfalls here. You can get angry at God when it hurts so bad. God's letting you down. And that's the, the, uh, the, really the cardinal distortion that the devil set before Eve in the garden, that God somehow didn't have her back, that he wasn't shooting straight with her. And the antidote to that is to reject it outright. That thought is diabolical. The idea that God is suspect in all of this, unreliable, that God's not fair, that, that, that God's weak or indifferent, those are all diabolical, demonic lies. And so the antidote to that first temptation to be angry at God is to reject that thought and then start counting. You know, sometimes the old hymns have it right. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Come on, anybody know that song anymore? Yeah. When upon life's billows you are tempted, tossed. Man, those are good words. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings. You start counting, and you watch the power and the encouragement that will rise up on you. The second pitfall is you can get angry at your adversary. You can start to hate the people that are hurting you, and that will chain you to them. You'll be chained to them, the memories of them, the anger you feel. To some, I mean, there's some evil things, people, with your abuser, your, that person that cost you your career, that, that person that betrayed you and put the knife in your back. You hate on them, and you'll be chained to them. You have to get free. And so what you do is you take that same energy and you redirect it into a positive path. Uh, Miss Andrea can help you with that. She's a counselor, and she understands Uh, how to stay healthy in the middle of your pain. The third thing that can happen is uh, uh, after you redirect the pain that you might feel at others, the third thing is you can get angry at yourself. And you can really just start to kind of hate yourself a little bit, maybe a lot a bit. The antidote is to reimagine yourself from God's point of view, your identity in Christ. If you're unsure about that, go right into the E-Kids room. There's a poster on the wall talks about your identity in Christ. You just go take a picture with your phone. You get home and you bring that up and you go, wait a minute, this is who I am. Okay? James 1.20 says, Human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. All right, now the second little Russian nesting doll. I'm going to talk about five guys. In these chapters, we hear about Stephen, Philip, Peter, John, and Paul. That is not a rock and roll band. <laughs> and I'm going to, we're going to do our survey now, and I'm not going to make a lot of commentary. Let me check. The, my phone went to sleep, and now I've got to put in my password. All right, there we go. All right. 
I'm going to do a quick survey of these chapters. Uh, green highlights the advancement, red highlights the adversity. Uh, the story of Stephen actually begins in chapter 6. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs amongst the people. The kingdom advanced. The lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. See, they're going to lie on you. They're going to lie on you on the job. They're going to lie on you in the neighborhood. Your family's going to lie on you. They might even lie about you in church. Don't be surprised by it. You've seen that it's in the Bible, so we understand that this is a diabolical tactic. And so in the, mid, in the face of all those lies, Stephen's reply was the incredible sermon of chapter 7. This incredible sermon. And their response to that, in verse 58, they dragged him out of the city and they murdered him. And a great wave of persecution began that day. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went, like throwing water on a, on a grease fire. All of a sudden now, believers are sharing the, the good news all over. Many, and, and Philip, for example, went about healing. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. When the apostles heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. And then the devil, who had attempted to destroy things from without, he counters now by trying to get corruption within. He tries to get money to mess up a church. Simon Magus saw that the Spirit was given with the apostles. Uh, when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. And so he's trying to get money. See, m money can mess up a church. Uh, I pastored a Baptist church in Folly Beach, South Carolina in uh, 19... Uh, what was that, Mama, when Hurricane Hugo went through? What year was that? 80, 87? And uh, uh, the church was, was pretty much wiped out. Uh, and at, the, at that time, uh, we got a $250,000 settlement from the insurance to, to rebuild. And you want to see fireworks, you give a Congregational Church of Baptist $250,000 to spend. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> you know, you, pastor, pastor, yeah, yeah. All right. And, and so, see, money can mess up a church. I drive rideshare. Now that I'm retired, I like to drive. I like people. I like to buy eggs. So I, I do that. <laughs> and I had a guy in my car the other day. I was taking him to Goodwill, and uh, uh, he worked there. And so I was making small talk, and I said, hey, do you get like a discount, you know, since you work there? And he goes, yeah, we do if we work at the store, but if we work at the sorting center, we don't. And he went on to volunteer. He goes, yeah, but sometimes people at the sorting center, they help themselves. He goes, in fact, there's this really religious guy there, and I was watching him, and he pocketed something at the sorting center, so I called him on it. And he told me, he says, God said that it is all right to take from those who waste. That's what I said. I said, what? And then it dawned on me what dude was perverting. He was perverting the gleaning rules 
uh, in, in, from Ruth, the book of Ruth, where when they would glean the fields, you could come get the leftovers. He was perverting that teacher teaching to justify stealing from his employer. See, money can mess, mess you up, man. Yeah, I know believers that they don't report all their taxes because, you know, they work hard and they don't make that much and the government wastes it anyway. You see, that's, that's bad thinking. and that'll rob. No wonder the church is so weak when we allow this kind of compromise into the church. The good news is, is that Peter dealt with Simon Magus and continued on after testifying and preaching the word. Peter and John returned to Jerusalem and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. And in Acts uh, 8.36, Philip met a, a divine appointment with an Ethiopian uh, uh, along the road. They came to some water after Philip uh, uh, witnessed to him. And uh, the, the, the eunuch said, why, why can't I be baptized? The Ethiopian said, why can't I be baptized? Why can't I get on this new birth deal? He was ready. Now, I don't have time to unpack it today, but there's something called the Ingle Scale of Evangelism that I want to make you aware of. Uh, aware of. You, can, you can check it out, look it up. But people make decisions for Christ not usually all at once. There are a series of smaller decisions that they make before they come to faith. And our job is just to nudge them along. Now, some, Paul put it this way, that some plants, some water, some harvest. But, but, but we're all involved in the process. I had a practicing pagan in my car. He was living in a Winnebago in Spokane that, had, uh, that didn't run. It was during that brutal cold snap. He, his wife, and his baby lived in this old Winnebago. He was going to Ace Hardware to buy those little propane canisters because the way they were heating that thing was with a little propane heater. Yeah, so he's, he tells me he's a practicing pagan, uh, that, that he is uh, more akin to, uh, uh, to uh, the, the nor- North, Norse mythology. That was where he hung out. And, uh, and so we have small talk, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm aware of his world. I'm not afraid to talk about it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not made nervous by it. I can talk about their pantheon. I'm, so we just chatted. And the whole, as, as I'm dropping him off, the Holy Spirit tells me, bless him and give him a word. And so I pulled 20 bucks out of my pocket. And, and at first he wouldn't take it. He, he, uh, he goes, no, no. I said, no, look, you have a family. I want to bless you. He's got his little bags of canisters from Ace Hardware. And I said, I want to bless you, and I want to give you a word. And he goes, all right. And I said, as you practice your faith, you're going to bump in to spirits in a transactual, transactional way. In other words, they'll do for you, but they want something back. They want something for it. I said, keep looking for the spirit that's transformational, the one that'll do for you with no strings attached. This practicing pagan grinned at me, fist bumped me, and waved smiling as I drove away because I had nudged him along the scale. Now, I hope one day in glory I get to hear the rest of his story. Meanwhile, Saul was going to kill the Christians. Then God said, Saul was my chosen. So he got saved. And then the people that Saul, that Saul got saved, wanted to kill him. But he got warned, and finally, in verse 34 and 40 of chapter 9, Peter heals a paralytic man, Aeneas, and raises Tabitha from the dead. That's a pretty good survey of three chapters and 
the book of Acts. But you may be saying something deep inside you. You might not say this out loud, but in some way you might be saying, okay, Tom, that's uh, well and good. Thanks for sharing. But you know what? You know, I'm busy. I'm working hard. I'm busy. I, I'm not going to talk to strangers about Jesus. You know, I mean, I, I'll introduce them to pastor. Uh, but I'm, uh, and I don't even know if I believe that I could, like, heal somebody. I mean, you know, you know, if, if I didn't have something else going on, I'd drive them to the doctor. But, and as far as adversity goes, Tom, look, I, if it was just me, it'd be different. But I've got a spouse. I've got kids. I don't want, I don't want them to go through adversity. I'm, I don't, want, I don't want that deal. I, I want the kind of Christianity, I'll, I'm going to come on Sunday morning, I'm going to try to watch my mouth, I'm going to try to watch my eyes, I'll, I'll put 10, 20 bucks in the offering plate. That's, that's the kind of Christianity I want, Tom. Now, you might not say that out loud, but maybe somewhere in the back of your mind, you're kind of there. And so... The last little nesting doll is Jesus, 50 years after the book of Acts, Jesus wrote, came and visited Paul on the Isle of, or excuse me, John on the Isle of Patmos, and he wrote letters to seven churches. 50 years have gone by. So the Gospels introduced it, the book of Acts has played out, churches were planted, they had a lifetime to do the kingdom. And so now he writes to these seven churches. And he tells us in those letters that six of the seven had advanced the kingdom, one only just barely. One, not at all. Sardis, just barely. Laodicea, not at all. Five of the seven experienced real adversity. Am I doing that with the... Or, or, or is something supernatural emphasizing, <laughs> emphasizing my points? Um, the only two that did not were, you guessed it, Sardis and Laodicea, the two churches that really didn't do much to advance the kingdom. And this is what Jesus had to say about that. Jesus said about Laodicea, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You see, you spit something out of your mouth because it's disgusting. When I was a little boy, I went to a grade school that my class that year got recessed just before lunch. And we'd get out there and we'd play football and get all hot and sweaty like little grammar school boys can get. And I remember one day I came in for lunch and I got my tray and I got that little carton of milk. And I was so thirsty from playing. And so I popped open that cold carton of milk and, and I chugged it down. And that's when the lumps hit the back of my throat. And something took over and I spewed. I still rem remember the horror of my table mates. I just... See, things, yeah, you things, you spit things out that are disgusting to you. Jesus says, religious people tortured me to death. And now I have given you my spirit so you could advance the kingdom and have a real adventure. That you could go do something meaningful and dangerous and glorious with your life. And you're going to trade that for lukewarm religion? You're going to trade this adventure for playing it safe? That disgusts me. 
So the answer is you better smell your milk. Sherry wonders why I still smell the milk. To the day I die, the first, <laughs> the day I die. <laughs> you see, there's no real Christianity if there's not acts, advancement, and adversity. Five guys proved it. Jesus addressed it to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Now, today I've used a lot of uh, pop culture iconography in, the, in my talk, and it's because I have a question for you. I want to know what your brand is. You see, somewhere between your experience and your witness is your story. Your brand is your story. And yes, a, a public interpretation of your underlying story, and that does spell pious, what, what's your brand? How, how, how does the world perceive the message that is you? Paul put it this way, from now on let no one trouble me by making necessary for me to justify my authority as an apostle and the absolute truth of the gospel, for I bear on my body the branding marks of Jesus. So we're at a point of action right now, and I'd like to ask the worship team to come. And you got to do something. I have to do something. We have, we, we have to act. We're at a point of action right now. And so if you're here today and you're a pre-Christian, then the, the thing to do, the, the act, is like that Ethiopian eunuch. Today's your day of your... Get saved. If, if you're here today and, and you've never really identified as a, as a Christian, you don't even know what that means, then, then pastor's going to be up here, and, and he, like Philip did for the Ethiopian, he'll do for you. He'll, he'll help you make a decision for Christ today. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, the next step for you is get saved. Jesus said you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. The book of Acts won't make any sense to you. The Gospels won't make any sense to you. You see, the primary mission and message of those books the kingdom of God. You can't see it if you're not saved. And if you're the prayer partners that are on the docket for today, if you'll come on up. If you're an already Christian but you've been playing it safe and, and maybe you kind of want to repent about playing it safe, then come talk to one of these folks. They'll pray with you. Because the next step is get moving. And, and if you're already moving, maybe you just know that you need more. Well, they'll pray fresh anointing on you, fresh empowering. And so if you're a pre-Christian, an already Christian, a moving Christian, and, and you just you need to do some work, then you got to get up. As the band plays here in a moment, I'll do a short prayer. And, and then you, you got to get up, and you got to come right down here. And if, and if they're busy with somebody, Wait. If pastor's talking to somebody, wait. If you need to talk to him about the condition of your soul, you just wait. We're not in a hurry. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come. Pray that for the hearts and minds that are 
seeking your face now. That they would encounter you. That the kingdom might advance to your glory. And to the good of all of those who dare to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow Jesus to transform your soul. We pray that you have an amazing week. Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.